Is that Anthony Fauci or is that John Gotti? When he speaks, it resembles the stench of a porta potty. This is medical monopoly. Do you think that man on television is your friend? What if he is saying things that simply are pretend? They all sound robotic. They just don't got it. Voice lacking conviction. They know that it's a fiction. All right, people. Welcome back to the Hunger for Knowledge. As always, I'm Will Beatty. Here with Rob Tibbins. What's up? Today we got a special guest. Uh, we got my man Cap Jones. Cap, what's going on, man? What's going on, Will, man? Rob, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks oh, for coming man. on. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh, I, I reached out to you and Zach. Uh, if you guys didn't, didn't hear the, the episode I did with Zach from Dead World Radio, definitely check that out. But I heard both of, both of these guys um, on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And uh, I had to reach out to them because, uh, you know, uh, people who have, you know, who, on certain frequencies, um, you got to make those connections these days, <laughs> you know. For sure, for sure. You just, you just have to, man. And then, you know, I, I got a chance to get into into your music, and uh, man, I was really digging it, man. It was, it was, it was right up my alley. You know, it's it's old school feel with. Um, a certain consciousness, you know, that that that's there's that particular feel, you know. I I, um, I really appreciated it, man. It was. Oh man, I appreciate it. I got into your music as well when we when we were trading links and such. So uh, I would say likewise on that for sure. Yeah, man. That it's it's always good to hear somebody who who's um, telling the truth to the best of their ability, you know, because. Sometimes you know you'll you, you'll hear somebody and you know that you <clears throat> that you know they're they're fabricating stuff, right? Trying, you know they're trying to sound a certain way. That they're, they're worried about like their personal image more so than anything. And it's like right. no, I just need people to say the real shit, right? Because I mean, there's a lot of fake shit out here. Truth, <laughs> you know, yeah, you don't that's really, truth. You don't need to contribute more to the fake shit, right? But, um, yeah, man. Like, how, so how long have you been making music? Oh man, that's a it's a long time now. Um, I started making music probably when I was in my mid-teens. I would say I grew up in uh, in Florida with a group of dudes that uh, that really loved music. I loved music since I was a child, and um, started. I can remember when I was a kid, my mom was really into music, and so I was naturally sort of drawn to it. And when I was in my teens, um, a group of dudes that I ran with, we all sort of started writing um, and trying to freestyle. And, and, you know, we all, when we were driving, we put on an instrumental tape or buy a single with a beat that we liked and start trying to freestyle in the car and that. And then um, through that, I started writing and I was in early high school, uh, an English teacher that I had, pulled me out of class. I was pretty disruptive in that class. And he pulled me out and was like, uh, put me on different types of writing projects by myself. And, um, and that's when I started really like trying to work on writing seriously, like writing bars or writing lyrics and poems, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it started pretty early for me. It was probably, I'd say like mid teens. What kind of stuff was uh, was your mom listening to? Oh, 
Man, I'd have to start off with lead off with Sade was probably one of her favorites. Sade. <laughs> uh, yeah, which I still have a, a big affinity for. She listened to a lot of different types of music. Um, she listened to talking a group called Talking Heads a lot, which is pretty avant-garde, like artsy New York band. Yeah. Um, Elvis Costello was big. Uh, Hall of Notes. Um, she listened to a lot of soul music, stuff like... Uh, Al Green and um, Marvin Gaye. Yeah, uh, she was into like a lot of the '80s stuff. You know, she loved Tina Turner when she made her big uh, sort of re-debut in the '80s. Um, so yeah, just all types of different music. That's always good when you when you can have a real you know a good mix. Oh yeah, mix My- of, of, of influences, man, like that, that that means a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Where I grew up in Florida was really kind of crazy, too. Was, there was when I was growing up, there was like a huge metal scene. Um, so I got into all types of, you know, rock and metal music just by proxy through, uh, you know, where I grew up geographically, which was kind of cool. And um, so, yeah, where was I, would, that at? Uh, I grew up in Orlando. So, um, oh, okay. Right. So, so there was like a, there was a pretty big um, metal scene when I was younger uh, in Tampa and Orlando specifically. And then, you know, there was like the weird freestyle scene that came out of Fort Lauderdale. Um, there was a lot of like crazy DJs um, coming out of Fort Lauderdale and Miami too, that I got into quite a bit. Um, shout out to Jam Pony Express DJs. Uh that's probably the best DJ crew in the world. This, I, when I moved up north to New York, not a lot of people knew uh, a lot about them, or at least people I talked to. But yeah, we just got into all different types of music, you know. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's funny. I'm I'm actually supposed to be going down to Orlando at some point in time because um, oh. there's a a guy who we actually just interviewed maybe a couple episodes ago my man jordan he's down there he's a lawyer down in orlando okay and uh he said he had been doing business with some studio we it was a brief talk but he, he said he wants me to come down there and try to go in the studio some somewhere down there so yo let me know man we'll link up i live not too far from orlando i don't i don't live in orlando anymore um but i recently moved back to florida i guess it was pre-pandemic um so it's not too recent, but, um, but yeah, let me know. We'll link up. Oh, yeah, man, definitely, definitely, for sure. But um, yeah, man. Uh, when when do you think you you kind of formed uh your your current style now? Because you know, mm. I know how it is. Like you, when you start younger, you kind of write about you. You're not as focused. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's not as focused, but as time goes on, I think that it, you know, part of the progression of an MC is is that they start to like their their personal life really has to start to um, influence what's coming out of their mouth. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, it was sort of a weird progression, honestly. I went from I moved, I left Florida in late high school. And moved to North Carolina. And when I moved to North Carolina, I was planning on like trying. I mean, I was trying to put a demo together early when I was still in high school in Florida. But that was just I just didn't have any resources or any means to do that. So I was rapping over instrumental beats and trying to just record it into a boom box or whatever. 
Um, and then when I moved to North Carolina, I sort of kept focusing on that, but I was still working alone. Um, and I ended up meeting this dude named Steve. Shout out to Stephen Caldwell when I was in high school, who was kind of into um, into hip hop, into that whole you know thing. So he would you know I would bounce ideas off of him, which was like you know cool to have another filter. Um, but there was no I, I didn't link with anyone in North Carolina um, to sort of really start making music or anyone that was really passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up through Steve, um, Steve played drums, uh, with this guitar player that he knew. And he's like, I was like, dude, at that point in time, this is like mid, mid nineties now, um, rage against the machine was huge. And he, I was like, dude, let, like, let me in with you guys and we'll start rocking together. Like, and he was like, nah, we're not, we're not really into that. But eventually I kept bugging him enough that, that he, he folded and I ended up in that group with him and and that guitar player. And we were in a kind of like sort of rap rock band. And then from there met different musicians in, in that North Carolina scene um, and ended up moving into just doing different types of vocals, singing, screaming, doing all types of different uh, vocal textures um, and linked up with some really talented people and was fortunate, like lucky to be in that circle. Um, it wasn't, it went, sort of out of the hip hop arena and into like the rock and, and like alt rock metal arena. But yeah. it was very uh, educational for me because everything that I was, it just was super creative. So anything that I would do vocally in the studio, I, I was learning techniques on how to record and how to build, you know, instrumentals and things like that. I got a sampler and um, I didn't start working on Cap Jones stuff until probably like like I said that was late 90s early 2000s I wouldn't say I was working on Cap Jones stuff until probably like 2008 2009 hmm. where I just started to get sort of I was I've always been writing and recording on instrumentals and and making beats when I when when I finally got the means to do that but I didn't really feel like it was um I didn't feel like it was me personally until I had like formed uh, a sort of identity that I felt like I could represent honestly, you know, and Cap Jones was, that didn't happen until about 2008. Um, I had at that point in time moved to New York and um, I, I was just writing these ideas um, and really keeping them to myself. Um, but that was when I think the whole thing kind of started. I understand that, man. There's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of rhyme. I hold on to a lot of rhymes and beats and you know not because I don't want to share them, but it, you know I'm still developing the idea. You know, correct. Yeah, still developing it. I'm not. I don't really want to put it on a song. You know, a verse, a, a certain verse, because it's like it's almost you know you know how it is you hear a verse you're like it's almost there <laughs> correct you know, it's, yeah it's almost yeah. there but um and you know and with beats man like i i feel like you know i i come from that same well i come from a situation where it's like i live out like in the country like i'm not like to there's there's the suburbs and then there's the country it's like I've always been like a guy from the country. So it's like my friends growing up always were in bands and they were always like 
had, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, they were always doing musical stuff, but it was like, you know, I started trying to get them, like you were saying, like uh, on that, you know, trying to, trying to rap over their stuff. For sure. And, and I don't know, I think sometimes people look at it too small minded. They're like, if you're a rapper, you're supposed to be rapping over beats. Right, right, right. No, I can rap over anything. Anything, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. We're trying to convince them, like, like let's just make music together. Let's just create a vibe, or you know, you're looking for like a platform to say what you want to say. You know, yeah, you just want your space in that. But I think that it's that, um, you know, from making beats that I've rapped over and stuff, it can be, you know, a very, that could be a very like lonesome process. Cause it's like, it, it, it's, it's just you. And you right. know, you know, from, from, from performing with people, um, getting the feed off of the energy and somebody else doing their thing. That's a whole different thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's a whole different energy to that. So, you know, I, I, I think I made I started making beats out of like necessity, you know, like correct. Yes. You know, so I, I could almost thinking. say the same thing. Like I I did I liked it and I I mean I love it, but it was never the same yeah, vibe as like a room full of people all with like a common goal and it, the music is sort of going through those different filters, you know. You learn a lot by by working with other people. Oh man, it's so it's so nice to just be because I mean it's I've definitely done it. I've definitely been to, to rehearsals and things like that, and it's like right. it's something about when so, when the person before you kills their part, and now it's up to you, and they're looking at you, and you're like, I got to kill it. Yeah, exactly. You got it's all. It's you know? not like an opposition. It's not like an opponent type no. of thing or an opposition, but it's like a. A you're on it yeah you iron sort of sort of sharpens iron and you yeah. you kind of feel like you gotta step up you know yeah. it's a different it's a different thing than just being you know in a studio by yourself kind of hold up and i mean there's benefits to all that type of stuff too but yeah it's different it's different from a performance perspective for sure absolutely man well um like i said man i i've been listening to to your stuff uh and uh, I definitely like, uh, you know, that, uh, what was that song with, you did with Killer Priest? The man, that was, actually, oh. I like every song on that project. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I've done a couple songs with Priest. The last one was called uh, North Star off of Doom World, which he's. Uh, I think I'm talking yeah. about the older one. What was that? Oh, Lines in the Sand. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah that's yeah. off of, that's off uh Haunted Mansion. Yeah, man. That was, that was really cool, man. Uh, I, and you know it. I like. I just dig the overall general vibe of the music. I like the headspace that it puts me in. Um, you know, you put. You know, um, I remember I had a song. You know, uh, and I was saying like, um, you know, I, I had a line where I said, um, "And I'm sorry if I put you in the mood to think. I should have put you in the mood to fuck hoes and drink." Wow! Yeah, and, see, that's the. It's, it's like you put you you put me in that you know that forward thinking process, man, and, and I really appreciate that, man. Well, man, I I appreciate it. I, you know, at first, like I said, it's just trying to be honest with you know that the I, I'm not against I'm not fully against music that's about having fun and about partying and everything like that. But I think that it's try it's just become such a thing where that's the only type of music that gets marketed 
And when I look back at what music, uh, you know, changed me, the, the context and the topics were just, you know, like fight the power. When Public Enemy put that out, it blew my mind. It literally like changed the way my life, the course of my life, because it made me start to think about, uh, you know, what power structures were in, in place in my life at a young age. And it's like, I'm not talking about the power, you know, of a parental uh, guardian, but more so like, you know, systematic system based education where, you know, ideals are sort of like pushed into us as, as young people. And it was like that type of, that type of song just changed. Like I said, it changed the course of my life. And nowadays that those, those sorts of songs are sort of shuffled away and, and replaced by, you know, just club music and, and shots this and, you know, doing all that type of stuff, which I like, we've all been there. That's not going to be, that's not going to be erased from society either, but the idea um, of sort of expanding on what struggles. I mean, that's a real music is a real conduit for communicating what struggles you've seen um, or, or are concerned with is, is sort of important too, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, um, uh, there's a time and a place I think for everything and, and, and every kind of music. Uh, but I think, uh, when when they when they decided to pretty much you know I, I think a lot of the stuff that you know and rob you know you grew up you know during that time too like where you know that you know the fight the power came out and stuff like that it's that. like it's like i was young when that happened yeah but that was on the radio like, yeah you and like, like the video, man, if you look, man, go back and video. watch the video, it's so ill. Yeah. And Chuck D is such a legend, you know, it's like, and it, it is was like, I think what happened now is, um, talk like that has now been kind of relegated to the talk of a conspiracy theorist. Right. Right. And at some point in time, that term became sort of criminalized yeah i mean really really i think it was after i mean this is just a guess but i feel like after really after 9 11 the term conspiracy theorist became like this overall brick wall stop the conversation you you know you you the a line of questioning turned into uh an assumption of someone being crazy you know, if we question what's logically possible or placed um, sort of on the podium of the of mass media, then then you're you're a conspiracy theorist, which was is sort of a an odd thing to me. But I guess it's a badge of honor in some capacities. I don't know. It's, it's sort of weird. Rob, how long? I, mean, how long, I was going to ask you, I, how long do you have people? How, thought of you as a conspiracy theorist well first off i feel i feel very lucky because there was a point where i was very when i was younger that we finally we moved into a neighborhood and we moved into uh, a neighborhood where there was a family that exposed me to like different types of music and i think because i got exposed to like uh, uh like nw like all these different 
rap groups that I never in my wildest dreams would have ever been exposed to yeah. unless I moved into that neighborhood. And I think that had a major effect on, on my outlook on things. And to, to this day, I think, and like, I'm very thankful for that, for that uh, exposure and, and those people that helped that expose that music to me and exposed a lot of things to me. So I think for, they, they were a major part of, when I was younger, when I think back and how lucky I was, just the timing of that. You yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes life oh, is yeah. just about timing. And yeah. you know, and that fit and those and I mean that that family was I mean he, the dad was my football coach. The you know, I played with all the kids and stuff and it was like and you know the mom was like the nicest lady ever. You know, she was the mom that like cooked you know bakery items for everybody and was like you know <laughs> she was awesome, just man. that lady and uh but it was a it was a multiracial family like and like back then in this it, then this is we're in the 90s like right. late 80s like in this area that was like to oh, have God. that kind of family here where we live was flag, was like, oh, insane <laughs> you know it was just like you know it just yeah. didn't happen you know right. and like i'm very thankful for that family and like i said i think back and they probably to this so i the dad the, the way i think i think is a big they attributed to that to the very much so but I've been called a conspiracy theorist for like, I don't even know how long, probably 15, 20 years, just because it wasn't even about talking about like 9-11. It was just like talking. If you talked about things from a different perspective that wasn't like mainstream, right. you know I mean, you were conspiracy, like just general things, you know, heaven forbid you speak about religion in a different way other than the way people thought you were conspiracy right. theorists, you know? I mean, I didn't really, like, I didn't start, like, I don't even know when, I remember, like, Epstein and stuff like that. That's, like, one that sticks out to me because I remember that from, like, 10 years before, before like, it yeah. was on the news, you know what I mean? True, so, me like, too. Yeah, I heard about the same things, and it was just know, like, and, what? Yeah, it's like, so then when, like, now it's talked about somewhat on the news, or you hear somebody that you don't expect to talk about it. It's like, I, I've known about like, it's I've known about that stuff for, for, I don't even know how long, at least 10 years, maybe 15 years. You know, I mean, yeah. that guy was in prison in like 2004, I think it was like, and they were talking about it back then, how he was in prison and stuff. And, you know, and, and it's, I mean, you know, so, I mean, like I've been dealing with it for a long time and I was the black sheep in my family and I was, you know, the crazy guy and mm. always talking to my brother's friends. I mean, I got along with my brother really well. So like, I'd be just kind of like, we played sports together and we play uh, like football together and stuff like that. And then like things, you know, things come up and they talking about stuff and I only can hold my tongue for so long. Cause you know, I'm the, uh, I'm the, I'm the unfun fun person to bring to the party because you know <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm just minding my business, and then I hear certain things be talked about, and then you know I just kind of try and like sit in the background, and then I can't control myself anymore because I hear some crazy talk going on, you know, yeah. like this, like what are they saying, or how is <laughs> what kind of perspective is that? But I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, man. 
So that happened what? They came up with that term when JFK got assassinated. That's what I understand. That's my Yeah, yeah. yeah that did. was probably the OG. That's the OG conspiracy, I guess, in, yeah. in the United States is how he yep. was. Yeah. But it's like, if you really think about it, and this is the funny thing, it's like, I think really what they've got to, they've gotten to a place where they created an epithet for a well-researched, well-informed person. Yeah, critical thinkers get lumped into a bucket of they might be crazy because they're just not going around, going to work, going home, buying things on Amazon and and going to bed. Yeah, that's and that's that, you know, they finally got to a point where they could come up with like this, this, uh, just a a big generalization uh, of a person who's not to be trusted because they're a little bit too well informed. And, um, it's I, uh, we can look at it right, and, and we we can look at like JFK, and, and and you're right, like that does seem to be like the start of like conspiracy culture. But if you really think about it, right, it's an easy way to dismiss people. All of this, this entire thing, the whole thing, is a big conspiracy. Because yeah. a, a conspiracy is nothing but people coming together to make something happen. Mm-hmm. So I mean. You know, the theorist is the person who, because there's no transparency, tries to understand that. Thing. <laughs> you know, they're, they're doing the research. They're trying to figure this thing out. And then people are like, why do you even care? <laughs> right. And that's the wild part about it. It's, to it's, me, is why don't you care? It's, it, it's, that's how did they create <laughs> people who don't care about what's happening? That's uh, what this whole yeah. time is showing me. I mean, it's it's the compartmentalization of the individual life, right? Where we've we've all been sort of like set inside of a a society where you have to, as a reaction, just continue to keep moving uh, because resources are dominated at various levels, and so you can't, you don't have access to resources, regardless of how wealthy people really think they are right. You go as high up as some of the, you know, artists that, you know, are currently, you know, doing well for themselves. Right. At what, like what, what resources do they really have? How far, how close are they to being flat broke? Right. That's what this society creates. And so in that society where you have to continuously move forward, you have to continuously not only work but you have to consume and hope that everybody else is consuming the same way or it all falls apart it creates an urgency in us all so you can't really afford to step out of that bubble and care about why people are doing all this uh it's i don't know it's it's messed up it's crazy like psychological you know yeah i mean that's that's why i look at it like um this is this is the way that actual magic works, right? Like not not like David Copperfield on, right, 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 on right. the stage. <laughs> actual magic. I heard a guy say that magic is um, controlling light and sound to change the consciousness of a person. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, what, what what's really going on here, right? We 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 have our entertainment. We watch. Uh, movies and shows about what the world is supposed to be and then we fall into it even though there's a part of us that understands that underneath all of it is all bullshit yeah 
that's the. I think that that is. Um, I think that that was the general understanding when people talk about like the golden era hip hop, like that 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 five percenter type language that you know like that like yeah yeah that that truth beyond all bullshit you know when when that was going on um you know I, and i guess you know when you think about like public enemy as being kind of like the i think public enemy was sort of like the surface of that <laughs> like mm. there were the deeper levels of that conversation that was going on and it's funny because that conversation was like, you know, like Rob was saying that that family had probably moved from an uh, urban area yeah. into the country, and yeah, that was it. Was it more like that? Well, they met in college, and then they kind of, I mean, you know, honestly, I don't know where. What well, sadly, I guess I never asked that question where where they moved where, from. Where'd you come from? Right, I know they met in college. You know, they went to Ohio State. They both went to Ohio State. Ah. They met in college. He was a football player. And then, uh, I, but honestly, I, I guess what I it's mean it's a weird. Is, yeah. What I mean is, is that that conversation was something that was happening in the city. And when that came out into like the country and out into the suburbs, right. that they, they were talking about things that people hadn't heard. Right. But right. now, people on the complete reverse side of that, are having those same similar thoughts. Now they're like the people on like the fight to power. Right, 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 right. Like they, right. they were once just like removed from any of that. But because that, you know, that, that, that idea that travels and people interpret it in different ways. Um, it's, it's interesting, man. It's, 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 yeah. And it's, it's on, it's on this weird, like cyclical thing where it's like, um, my girlfriend and I were talking about this earlier today, where it's like, we're talking about, you know, the idea, the, the discussions on gun control and Roe v. Wade and abortion and all this that, that are going on right now. Um, I mean, I'm not a young man anymore. And these, these arguments have been going on my whole life. Right. So I'm, I'm, you know, I got no qualms. I'm 43 years old right now. So you're young. Yeah, for, but I'm saying I'm, for I'm 45. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> but for 43 years, or at least we'll, we'll give it 38 years of my recollection, this has been an argument in the U S right. And mm. there's no, it, there's no end to it because no. there can't, there's not going to be an end to no. it. No. So it's like these, these ideas just keep, kind of traveling different generations and resurfacing and it's like almost it's almost like it's designed to be some sort of divisional mechanism yeah that know? that road versus weight is is one of the most divisive things you know and they yeah. and it just pipe pops up at these convenient times for certain people you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. we're just kind of humming along and all of a sudden what well, not humming along, but like things were happening, and like <laughs> right, oh, right. We, need, we need a little, uh, we need a lot of divisiveness. Let's, uh, you know, break out the road versus Wade out of nowhere, and yep. you know, it gets leaked magically from somebody, you know, and <laughs> yeah. like, and you know, the funny thing with vote Roe Ro, Ro versus Wade is like Biden has the power to strike that down, he could strike that down, you know, just because it's 
two weeks before that, so a year before that, Supreme Court said that you could not have red flag laws for gun control, right? Mm-hmm. Well, two weeks before Roe versus Wade came out, Biden signed an executive order signing in red flag laws for gun control. So, like, so he went against the Supreme Court. So he could easily go against the Supreme Court if he wanted to. So I find it interesting the people that support Biden are like, well, he can't do anything when the reality is he could if he wanted to. He just chooses not to because, you know, it's a little more a little more divisive. divisive. Or he's not meant to. Or, yeah. Or right, yeah. right, right. That's the, more the, likely. The, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. It's like the, the real... Um, the real questions are like the are who the politicians actually answer to, right? Right, and like the truth is that I mean they don't answer to the people, no, at all. You know they answer to corporations, right? Yep. I mean everybody who can look at campaign funding and how uh, politicians have to play ball at that level or or get out basically. Um, they they answer to corporations. So who do the corporations answer to? The corporations don't answer to their uh, their consumers or or their customers. They don't answer to their employees. They don't answer even really to their board members and stockholders, um, because board members and stockholders can have feelings about what a corporation can do, but that's not going to affect what the corporation does ethically right they answer to the bottom line which is a numerical mech like a numerical formula of of how we're going to make the most money how we're going to be as big as we possibly can there's no ethics involved in that so those are the entities that the politicians answer to ultimately and these are these are why we're in the times that this is the reason why we're we're where we are really i think anyway i think we I think we 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 misunderstand um, the 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 process and the cycles of civilization. Mm. Like we people are, they always talk about to say, oh well, we you know we got all these po- political issues and stuff. And I say it's we have civilizational problems. This is not like just something that is happening in one nation. This is when you have a world that is tied together through finance, mm. um, that then the sickness that is happening it invades all aspects of the system. Mm-hmm. So we have this civilizational problem and we keep trying to solve a civilizational problem politically. Yeah, right. We're like, oh, well, we'll just get this guy in and he's going to change it all. And it's this like this savior yeah. mechanism that people like, they revert back to it because we we really have problems that only people can resolve. But right. we're looking to systems that are so far corrupted to 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 save the world. And it's like right. if we pay attention to anything that happened in prior civilizations, the same a similar process happened. You know, the, the, the corruption gets to a place where it's too much and then it breaks the whole shit down. Right. You know, all of those people in those civilizations believe they were in the greatest civilization that ever existed and <laughs> would right. continue into <laughs> 
perpetuity. You know, they, they yeah, just, until everybody becomes things. gods or whatever. Thinks, exactly. Right. Everybody thinks that, but even, but I I think that that's where like the concept of prophecy comes from. Like mm. I think that prophets are usually just people who pay like real close attention to the cycles of time. <laughs> right. Like, right. Like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist until you're a prophet. You right? know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. How'd you know? Well, mm. I read a lot. I, <laughs> I, I seen what happened to those people. This looks similar. Like mm-hmm. my, it, my kid's been telling me for years, you know, like I've, you know, I've been talking about this compared like certain things that are con- considered conspiracy for years. And now all that stuff's coming to fruition. They're like that. How'd you know that? I was like, I just, you know, you, you can listen to certain people and then I form my own opinion. You know, but this stuff's been going on for years. It just so happens that, you know, now it's coming to fruition and now they don't understand how, like, you know, the things I'm talking about that I talked about 10 years ago happen. And the reality of it is, is, you know, there are certain people that have eyes that are open and certain people that don't. Those people are a little ahead of their time. But scary is what things I do listen to is what's scary, because, like, you know, (laughs) some of the stuff I listen to is kind of pretty dark, but. You know, when yeah. it comes to civilizations, too, is like it seems like the civilizations are getting bigger. You know, what I mean, like the think, the, the yeah. civil, they're getting bigger, and the problems that break the civilizations then have to be bigger. You know, what I mean, so that's kind of scary that, too. That is. I, I think, mean, think that that what was happening when when all of the pyramid people on the planet, I tend to think that that was probably some sort of civilization that spanned different continents and things like, of course it wasn't as wide reaching as, as this thing, but still, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if civilizationally they had their issue. And then just because you get to a certain level of technology, people think that absolves you from mistakes and corruption. Nah, like, yeah, no, it actually enhances it. It enhances it. You know? <laughs> right. it, it, you know, yeah. it completely enhances it. That's yeah. what we were talking about earlier, like with Black Mirror. Like watching Black Mirror is just like, oh, it just gets easier with technology to to fall victim to corruption. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, Orwell in 1984 sort of really mapped all that out well. Absolutely. And now you, you see, I mean, it's, it's easier now for these, whether you, whatever you subscribe to, whatever idea you subscribe to, right? Whether let's take conspiracy theory, because that's something that we, I I would guess based on the conversation, the three of us would get lumped (laughs) into, right? It's easier for that, uh, those ideas and, and, and those um, theories to get circulated and, and people to subscribe to them now, versus 50 years ago because that information wasn't as re- readily available and the same thing so yeah. the, the these mechanisms work to you know for and against what you could consider to be uh, mainstream right. ideas right yeah um but that but that overall programming gets blasted across such a large demographic of people so much faster so one an idea or, or, you know, mindset is just instantly circulated, you know, like take the pandemic, for instance, you know, it was the fear from the pandemic, um, you know, shot down across the entire globe faster than, I mean, 
75 years ago, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have gone down that fast. It couldn't have gone down that fast. It would have no. taken, you know, months for that to circulate the way that it well, did it in was, hours. Look at a black plague. Right. Right. So it's crazy. It's crazy, but that's the, the technology allows for that. Right. Just like yeah. we can circulate a song, you know, mm-hmm. whoever can put out a song, Drake can put out a song and it gets instantly millions, billion, whatever, um, you know, spins on Spotify, that wasn't, you know, that it, it it's, it works to, and uh, it works for and against um, the, the current society in that way. It's just crazy. It's just, it's amplified the speed in which all of this information can be circulated. It, it I mean, I think about, I think back to the beginning of, of all of it, right. When, and I remember like you said, the fear was out there. The fear was heavy. Mm-hmm. And I think my thought was to try to get out ahead of it. Let me figure out what people who are not in the mainstream consistent thought are saying about it. Right. Because in the mainstream thought, they're just like, everybody's going to die. Like, <laughs> right. 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 That was all that they were saying. They're like, if you get it, you're dead. You know? Right. You know? But I was like, let me figure it out. So then I started looking at people who, who might put me in those streams of thought. And that's the thing. It's like you're really a product of the stream of thought that you've put yourself in. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, right? And you know, you know how it is. You'll come across something, something some doctor said, something like that. And then you'll take that to somebody who can't accept that. Right? Right. And they'll just be like, oh, well, you know. I I, I I I go with the experts, <laughs> you know. Right. That's, that's, I go with the experts. I don't know who this guy is. It's just like that's that's that is like a what do they call that poverty of philosophy. Like you 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 people are so caught up in not wanting to become one of these. Um, I don't know. I get that they're on the border of trying to call this terroristic thought. So it's like people don't want to become that and the hoops that they'll jump through not to listen to any of it have become so amazing that yeah. you 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 kind of like, you know, now I, I'm almost kind of like, like I have sympathy because it's like they know, but like you said, the compartment, compartmentalization in their mind is like, yeah, but we're just going to act like that's not happening. Yeah, it's like the the anything that takes a person out of the narrative that they they want to, you know, adhere to is off limits. Period. Like they it's almost become a to the to the point where you can't have a conversation with someone who has an opposing view. Right. And that's not even that's not even radicalized. I would consider what we were talking about in regards to the pandemic specifically right now. That's a radicalized view right now. Believing, you know, because for me personally, the like two party system is is seen as. They're not radicalized views in regards to societal acceptance. Right. It's not radical to be a democrat it's not radical to be a republican it's not radical to fanatically subscribe to every single whatever for lack of a better term doctrine that are sort yeah. of 
uh, portrayed on either side of that fence. What's radical is to to stand up and say, I think that all of this is bullshit, right? That's radical. So that's even less accepted than the opposition of the 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 sort of party line. And I think that's what's crazy to me is that there's such a fanatical uh, acceptance and participation at the two party level that like, you know, I was at, I was at work having a conversation with a bunch of friends and it's, it's like, if you're, if you're a Biden supporter, then a Republican's going to jump in and start to bag on that. And if, if you're a Republican then instantly the, the, the Democrats are going to jump in and start bagging on Trump. And in reality, is like, what did either one of these presidents really do except divide the country more? There's no bragging rights to be held here. There's no there's there's not really a lot of foundational problem solving happening at either level. It's it's really been horrible. But because this the fanaticism, there's just a there's there's like this my team's got to win mentality. And it's like, mm-hmm. we're all on the same team. The reality is that everybody's losing. So if a news headline can make you feel like you won based on an election result or based on some bill passing in the Senate or based on the failure of a previous administration or the current administration, you're really not looking at the actual score of the game. You're looking <laughs> at little highlights that are being pitched to you by media companies. And that's the that's like the essence of the problem. And meanwhile, we've got, we're sitting here in a, in a, in a bubble with a, with a, with the radical view of being critical of the entire situation. You know what I mean? Which is crazy yeah. to me. That's, That's nuts to me. Part. It's like, it's like cheering, for having a favorite football team being 0 and 16 and, but all you're doing is cheering for the guy that's having the career year. Right. Know? It's like, like, yeah, but our running back had 2,000 yards. It's right, like, no, exactly. bro, it doesn't matter. You're 0-16, yeah. first pick in the draft next year. You still need a quarterback. Let's exactly. really be honest. <laughs> I think I think of it a lot of like when I was younger, I remember, you know, I've when I was like a huge LeBron fan, right? And I watched all his games and all stuff. And, um, you know, I remember – and with any other team that I like, right? Like yeah. I used to get pissy. Like I used to get real mad when they, you know, when they lose. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'd have this personal connection to it, which was completely irrational. Right, right. And that's it's emotional. That's, that's, it's emotional, right? It's emotion. It's, yeah. it's all of this is sort of like the management of tribalism, right? It's like For sure. It's like all right, so we. We'll, it's all social engineering. It's like we'll we'll take these people and we'll make their values oppose these people's values, and then we'll put them in, in, in opposition, and then nothing connect in that world where that you know that that pretext is kind of used so much. Um, it's hard for the people to make progress in that world because they're they're always matched up against each other and not looking at who is their common enemy. And, For sure, and it's so. It, when I look at like, uh, you know, I think race is probably the one of the greatest examples of that ever. It's like people know, right? If you ask a person and, and you say, hey, uh, "How many, you know, how many races of people are on the planet?" 
a good deal of them would understand that there's only one race of people on the planet. Correct. They'd all be like, "Oh, there's the human race. We're all here." But we're all we're 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 because we're in this thing, we subvert to a lower way of thought, and 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 we buy into the racial game. We're like. You know, you take on the identity. You take on you, you. You look at other people and be like, "Oh, that person must be from wherever." And you know, like right. you, we we know it's uh. That's what do they call that? That's um. I forget the term for that. When you hold two 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 thoughts that are opposing at the same time, um, cognitive dissonance. That's what that's mm-hmm. called. But it's like. You you wonder when I look at that like I've really been like looking at the racial thing and, and, and really seeing how they really use that against people, and mm-hmm. it's like this is so divisive because people have to be in a lowered state of consciousness to even accept it. You have to be on the level of I'm a black dude, that's a white dude, that, that like instead of like oh we just people here, right. You have to be on that lower level, and that's that. When you can, you know, they control those lower, those lower energy streams, man. Like it's, it's wild the way that they do it. They think so far ahead of stuff that people aren't really like the people. You know, it hits the people, and they're like, they don't know what they just got hit with because right. somebody's been planning this for years. Well, that's you the. Know? I mean, with the pandemic at first, when it was happening over in like Asia. And then it kind of made it in its way into Europe. It was like, well, in the, if you watch, I kind of watch, like, I don't watch a lot of news, but every once in a while I watch the news just to see how they're acting towards a <laughs> yeah, certain thing. You know right, what I mean? right, right, right. Right. Well, the, at first they were like, ah, that's nothing. It doesn't matter. It, it It's not coming here. It's just, be, you know, excuses of whatever, why it's not a thing. And then there was like somebody just went and turned the light switch on and said, Okay, now it is a thing. Okay, now we all got to panic. Now we all got to, you know what I mean? Like it was like somebody called into the new into into the local news stations and said, "Hey, you all you all have to make it a thing now." Yeah, they you sent know? the script over. Yeah, they sent, yeah, they yeah, sent exactly. the script over. Yeah. yeah, so it went from not being nothing to being like, "Oh my God, we're all gonna die," kind of thing, or you know that kind of like overnight. It felt like you know, and I'm just like, how like. And people don't question that. Like so nobody's like, I mean, I know some intelligent people that like still to this day watch CNN and like never question anything they say and think that's the truth. And like, I don't, I, I have a hard time. I mean, I, I'm coming to the conclusion that propaganda is so freaking powerful, and the way they use it is so powerful. Like, I, it's, just, I have to accept that this is what's happening to these people. You know, so I mean, I don't know. I just it's it's hard for me to see the other side of it sometimes. Yeah, once you wake, once you sort of see the media for what it is and what it does. Yeah, it's impossible to erase the you know instinct to question first because it it's it gets swapped out so much. The the reasoning for the you know, the whole thing gets changed so much. If you look at what, just look at what the, the take the vaccines, for instance, what the efficacy is, what the possibilities are for transmission, for death, you know, the, all of those 
facts, quote unquote, and I say facts, meaning like they were facts at the time have changed. Right. And that's not look, that, that's part of science. Right. I'm not right. saying that a fact is a fact forever because the reality is in, in the scientific arena, it's not. But that is why the questions are important to science right. and not and not the blind acceptance of what is or what isn't. And I, and, and that's where the ability to sort of double speak questioning out of science in this particular instance is so fascinating to me because you can question something. That's what science is. It's questioning in the name of science. The, the, the scientific method is based on questions, right? Answering questions, testing, validating theories. And these, this has literally been doublespeak was used to pull the idea of the question out of the population in the name of science, which is an absolute oxymoron. And when you discuss that with certain, you know, individuals, it it turns into, well, uh, you're a science denier. And it's like, no, I'm actually a, a practitioner of science right now. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's, I'm actually practicing what I, what I picked up in science class, which I'm not, listen, I'm no scientist, but, um, you know, the scientific method wasn't lost. And I think that, I don't know, it's, in, it's interesting because it, it tells you going back to your earlier point, Rob is the strength of the propaganda, right? The strength yeah. of the media. Yes. Yep. I saw Crazy. I saw the thing uh said the other day that uh you know deaths of people between eighteen and like sixty five or something yeah, stuff, like forty percent. Yep. Yeah. And when you say that to a person, like I've said that to people who aren't like into it and they don't know how to take that. They start because, making excuses. I mean, yeah, they'd be like, Well, you know, yeah, but it's like I don't understand how people like my parents, right? Like they're they're both um they they at least claim to be Christian people. Me, I left organized religion a long time ago, but right. I still have I I I just had a conversation with my niece. She's like 10 and uh she's been looking into like witchcraft and stuff like that. So there's people <laughs> in my family who are like going crazy and shit. And she's right, right. And she said, and she and and I I said uh I said, well look, I you I understand what you're looking at. I get it. I've seen most of this stuff, you know, so I can talk to her about that. But she was like, yeah, but she said, yeah, you know, said these Christians they're so fucked up. And I, and I, and I said I said, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Because really, you've met some really nice, right. good, genuine people who are Christian people. Don't Absolutely. act like, don't act like True. that. True. But the truth is, it's done its damage. But what I was saying is like, with, you know, my parents, they, they, they claim to be Christians, right? And it's like, how do you not, what events have you ever seen that almost lined up with the book of Revelation as clearly as this concept that's happening right now, right? You know what I mean. I don't think sure. that that has to be some sort of a. Uh, if you demystify it, all it means is the story is like, hey, look, there might be a force that comes onto the planet that um will uh <laughs> give you a number and create a beast-like system where 
you uh you know all of your money won't work unless you get a particular marking or something like that which isn't like an out there type of a thought i imagine similar things have happened in the past you know like uh, with caesars and things like that so i don't i don't understand how people who because i guess that we could say that this is still predominantly christian nation there's absolutely a lot of Christians who are who, who do view it like this, which is its own kind of sort of issue. But right. it's like I just don't I don't see why people. Um, well, I don't know. Like you guys were saying, the, the, the propaganda is as strong as it has ever been, and it's you're being inundated with it. You mm-hmm. know, everywhere you turn is some new propaganda trying to frame your thoughts find it interesting i think it was like 2013 when obama passed a law where propaganda was illegal and then he overturned that correct inside the u.s the u.s could right. could, could promote propaganda outside the u.s but in u.s and u.s territories right. it wasn't allowed until right. obama so it feels and it feels like maybe in these last what six seven years it's been you know, it's been, yeah, it's, it's been, been it's been on steroids, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like some of these things kind of align. It's just weird how they happen. It, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. sometimes I, you see people, right. You ever see an actor and they'll take on like a certain, like kind of, <laughs> I used to say like, there was this time where like Nicolas Cage made like, 15 straight movies about hell or yeah. the devil or something like Ghost that. Rider. Right, right, like, right. So do you are you like some sort of czar or something like like are you some sort of like are are you communicating a particular thought with your movies like intentionally like maybe even contractually right, right. like um I was watching Stranger Things on Netflix yeah. and then the the the, the so they got the one guy on there and he's like dealing with the Russians. But then he was in the movie. He was just in some Marvel movie. I forget. It was like yeah. Black Widow. Yep. And he was like he's the Russian. Russian. Yep. He was like, so I was like, what is this Russian yeah. thing? Super soldier. He's a Russian super soldier. Yeah. It's like, and, what is this? Yeah. And it, and I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But I, I look at that and, I, and, when I, and I, I say that's how deep propaganda runs. To the point where the you know the 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 stars are the instruments of that. Yes, know? I mean that that whole that whole thing is crazy because all of these ideas and things get promoted in so many capacities. That's a buddy of mine just got his um, his four year old about to turn five uh, year old son a. Uh, a new board game, the game of life, right? The, the game, the game has been around, I think since yeah. the fifties and sixties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets the game of life for his son. My godson is about to turn five in, in September and they open it up. They start playing and he sends me a text message. He's like, dude, we're playing the game of life. And there's a part in this game where you can invest in cricket farms for sources of protein and i was like what oh man <laughs> Whoa. oh yeah man. So, like that you think about this type of shit and it's like all right I, the whole you know cricket farm food shortage whatever you yeah, want to yeah. call it like 
that's all relatively new in regards to mainstream media, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it but I don't know who makes the game, Milton Bradley or whomever had it printed on the game of life when I would love to know, I need to figure out when the game he has was right. reprinted or whatever, but it's yeah, definitely likely that, you know, all of that was sort of aligned. Right. Right. Which is like, it's kind of crazy to think about it, but the, the propaganda goes in into every mechanism that, you know, board games and those ideas of, of, um, you know, where we're going to be in five years or, or starting to get, placed into movies now type of thing or shows yeah. now type yeah. of thing. It's crazy. I mean, I think about the cartoons my kids used to watch. I mean, I had three girls and then a boy, but like I'd, you know, watch cartoons with them and some of that stuff was kind of crazy too. Like similar, you know, they're young and they're growing up and they're watching some of that stuff. And it was like, you think, I think back now about it and I can't think of specific examples but like i remember thinking that a lot of stuff that's happening now like like some of that stuff in the cartoons was kind of crazy like it influences them now oh, you yeah. know absolutely uh, I, and one thing me and rob were talking about before we started was i was saying that it's it would seem that the whole jig is sort of up yeah and the thing you know i think is like well, what is like the worst case scenario in a movie? Mm. How do you how do you destroy a world? My my guess is still, and some people are like, "That's crazy, Will." But I I I think they're gonna go the fake alien invasion route. I think that I think that that's the only way to step up. Yeah, it's the only it's, thing left. It's the only thing left to do. <laughs> It's the only like the, it's the only step up they've been they they put once they start talking about the Pentagon says UFOs man yeah. once they start saying that the the yeah. seeds of that situation you know people probably start thinking oh man what about Independence Day and all that? you know what I mean like there's so many examples of that as being like the worst thing that could happen on the earth. If people if there really are people at the top who just kind of want to clear this slate. And just be mm. like, let's start over again, and I'll be the god of the next thing, right? Right. Let's 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 clear all this stuff out. That's how you do get an alien invasion, or or, or not even a real one, but something that looks like it. I yeah. I told I told Rob when I gave uh, when I gave a UFO report, and they were they gave out this. Um, I, I went and met with the people at Mufon, and. They gave me this packet, and they had this one picture of this triangle-looking ship that people kept seeing, and they were trying to put the word out that that ship was not alien or anything, that it was something that was probably made by, like, <laughs> Boeing or something. You know what right, I mean? like, right, right, right. Like Reverse engineering. Some, some sort of some, yeah. something that can't look the part. Yeah. That's really all you need, something that looks the part. You know, uh, it, like we said, we don't know who, who we don't know who all of this answers to, and I, they seem to be uh, staging events in in ways to make you to like kind of placate that ver that part of you that is the movie watcher, because mm -hmm. that is a part of your identity now. <laughs> mm. 
You know, there's the part that watches. It's like we're a nation of crises. Like we just kind of go from one to the other. And then there's probably going to be the ultimate one. And you might be right. What People is- have been saying that for years. What's I forget what that guy's name is. Who's the guy? Not Bill. Is it Bill Lazar? Oh, oh yeah, Lazar or, from the the, Lazar, on the UFOs. Like, he predicted yeah, that. Lazar. He predicted yeah. that the they would do a, an alien invasion. Oh, that was um. Then there was that. That was uh what Werner von Braun told his yeah. secretary yeah. on his deathbed. Yeah. That was like kind of like the end game, so to speak. Like, yeah. uh, you know, let's <laughs> get some fake the never-ending war. I mean, we've been in that though. I mean, we've been in the never-ending war. You know, I think that the ultimate. I don't know. The mechanism, uh, I don't, I don't know if the mechanism is as important as the outcome. Meaning, like, yeah, I get that. the worst thing that can happen is already started to happen, which is people stop caring about other people. People don't yeah. really identify. Yes, you can identify with an idea, right? But I mean, we've all been divided so much and dehumanized so much. The pandemic has really pushed it into a sort of hyper speed where you're not a person. We're not people to each other anymore. We're just numbers. We're just, you know, Instagram photos. We're just, you know, we've all like sort of been separated to the point that, you know, the human experience is no longer, it's it's increasingly becoming less and less human. It's becoming less and less organic less and less about the campfire less and less about the dinner table less and less about you know learning from each other and respecting each other's you know lives it's it's more about trying to explain or argue why someone else should conform to your uh subscriptions and 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 lifestyle choices you know and that that's really not what being a human is all about so it's like that is to me I look I'm I'm in on the like whole what are they going to do next um because from my own personal perspective that is that's been what my whole entire life has become is trying to figure out what's going to happen next just because mm-hmm. once you fall into that sort of that way of thinking you it's really tough to get out of it but from an overall like effect on society we're seeing the word humanity is dying you know and it's pretty it's it's like we're we're just be we're in our homes you know we're 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 sort of being ushered into these um lifestyles that don't facilitate actual human interaction mm-hmm. and that it makes it easy to just keep going with the flow of of whatever um you're being told, which is, I don't know, scary. That's the scary part to me. But I think that, I think that you're right that the, the, the invasion is, is, or the ideas of, you know, that, that alien invasion or, or the idea of aliens is becoming more and more mainstream. Uh, it's, it's been accepted more on the mainstream for sure, which is like something that if you talked about aliens, 20 years ago the way that they're being talked about in mainstream media now you would have been that you would have been a conspiracy theorist see so that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in that now everyone that was talking about that lazar whomever 20 years ago now they look like prophets because now the pentagon's coming out and saying yeah well we actually do 
declass we're going to declassify x y or z and and it's going to back mm-hmm. that idea so it's kind of crazy it is man that's i mean but i i do think you 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 hammered down to really actually what's at the root of it and uh, it, yeah okay an alien invasion might happen but what's ha- like you like you said though the worst thing that could possibly happen is happening in that um the the thing that is the human being like i heard a guy say one time he said we're not really human beings we're like human doing mm. like we're, wow we're doing, okay yeah that's crazy human we're doing this thing we're not being something we we we've we've taken on so many like when they talk about identity politics i think that became such a big thing because a person has the ability now to have so many different identities and the truth of the matter is, is like all of these things are just like sort of these fabrications of your time and your circumstance. You know, you're like, you know, um, it's it's uh, you know, you're born into the world a particular species and a particular sex in a particular place, and uh, you know, as as that continues to 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 move out, you you take on so many different identities that. If you ever get the idea in your head that your identity is the best thing or that other people need to be what you are, well, that's just perpetual conflict. Right. Because now you have so many different variations of what a human being is. Like those, you know, the people are just butt up against each other as soon, you know, offending each other. <laughs> and, and but the truth of the matter is is that we're uh yeah, we we've like I was, I forget the guy. He made a book called "Civilized to Death." That's that's what we are. Mm, mm. Civilized to death. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's definitely the the state lines and the party lines and the it all creates these divisions. And like you were saying with the sports teams earlier, which I'm a huge sports fan, always have been. Oh, yes. it's so like, we, it, you know. Yeah. It creates, it creates these fanatical ideals though, where it's like yeah. you, you, you know, uh, you, uh, Rob was talking earlier about um, Ohio state. You're, you're the family that you, yeah. Uh, so I'm a, I grew up a Michigan fan in Florida, right. which is really weird oh, anyway. Man. But but like, you know, when you first say yeah. Ohio State to me innately, there's like a yep. there's a reaction that happens, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. But, right. it's, but it's like it's 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 a conditioning that happens yes. over the course of several decades. And it starts when you're young. Correct. And it so it's like but that's it's crazy to me. I um we were I was on a a bus a few days ago and um, I, I can't remember how it came up, but same thing, Michigan and Ohio State sort of came up. And it's this reaction where I said something about Michigan to a guy wearing a Michigan shirt and then an Ohio State fan chimes in and then we get to yapping back and forth. And it's all in it's all in in fun. But in when you look yeah. at the initial reaction, it's like this crazy sort of thing where it's like and that's not even real. Ohio State does not know who she is. The oh, Michigan does right. not know who I am. There's no, but there's this exactly. fanatical thing that permeates society based on, you know, who you want to win the Rose Bowl or whatever, right? And like, it's crazy because that that those lines are imaginary and brought to us by, you know, the so that stuff runs deep. 
I it's mean, the states that the, the the whatever the it, the same thing happens in religion and government and all all sorts of things, and so it creates these like boxes and buckets for all of us to sort of willingly sing the praises of without really understanding how it's kind of ridiculous in in a in a weird way. It's ridiculous that, that you is have. What, I think that's what the Bible would call like idol worship. Right, right, right. I think that that's really the real life application. Of that wow, because I never thought of that, but that's I never really that's crazy. About it but until that's you were just talking about it like wow, that's, that's crazy. Really what that is. It really that's is. Worship. Yeah, like that's. I mean, but there's so many different things that fit into that. Like, I know with a lot of the different like podcasts I've listened to, they're a lot more like right leaning now, right? They're they're not so much that like you know you you. They seem to be the people paying attention to what seems to be going on on like the pandemic level, right? Right, right, right. And right. then when I'm listening to them, and then they'll, they'll say something, they'll be like, say something like about like Black Lives Matter, and I'm just like, wait, what'd you say about Black people? And it's like that's like like that that's like the visceral kind of response. But then I was just like, wait, no, nah, that's that's not Black people. They're talking about they're talking about a group. You know, right? So it, but but it, like you said, it's that visceral response that I mean, it, that, it's funny. Like you talking about whole the right leaning thing, and it's the same thing that I mean. We probably listen. We listen to similar people, yeah. and sometimes the same people. But like it, it, that whole view of that perspective is like very similar. And like they say the same comments, like the people I'm not that I listen to differently say the same things about the Black Lives Matter. So it's crazy how just that, like that highway of thinking is all very similar. You know what I mean? Like when people talk about it, like they they have the same mindset on all different things, like Black Lives Matter, about the pandemic, about politics. Most of them are Republicans. Now, I also a lot of these people I've been listening to that have been Republicans are also starting to kind of break away from that because they they're seeing the Republicans do this to kind of like do and agree with what the Democrats are going, maybe not agree, but let it happen when they ha- are in positions of power to stop it from happening. Yeah. You know? So like, it's kind of like that. Uh, some people are breaking away of it. Some are continuing down the same highway, but, but, uh, but that is a good uh, thing to point out though, because I think. Um, so how we get here. Yeah. I mean, that is right. <laughs> but it's like, right. the t- I think the dissolution of like the two party illusion is gaining more traction as time goes on and people are saying you know well all you need to do is be able to step back from the situation and say oh you know um i i need to question this ideology mm. i remember terrence mckenna saying he said one time he said i uh in, in a speech he said he said uh, ideologies aren't your friend Correct. Like, like we we get this idea that the idea like they're like they're asking you to buy something wholesale. <laughs> they're like mm-hmm. take on the whole thing. Now you're this, and you will ride for this. And it's like that's not your friend because you the 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 individual. Um, I, I find myself in a place where it's like I have I find value for um, contrasting issues. Like just because something is more along my thought doesn't mean that the thing on the other side loses its value. 
And that's Correct. that's that's what I think is really at the heart of a lot of this is that people are losing value for people. Like I know my value in my family because of a lot of the thoughts I hold is significantly low because they don't you know they're, they're looking at me like oh he's always saying that weird stuff. <laughs> I get that. But at the same time it's like you couldn't you know you got to be able to see past that. You got to be able to see past the fact, like, you're not going to see the same thing with just about anybody you meet. Correct. Are you sure? I mean, like, if you don't, it's all right, right? Like, if, right. if, if, if you, you don't, don't see us, all right. Right. Like, if you don't, it's, it's it's cool. It's like, it's it's supposed to be a situation where we all learn from one another. And I think that that's the, like, I don't, I don't know when it became an issue or a, a, a why it has to be if we don't agree we're in absolute opposition and it it's a shouting match it's like no man like, yeah that's that that that's i don't know how it became so polarized politically i i, I don't i don't know when that happened but it's, I think it's that definitely was, i happened. think that was trump's job in my opinion in right my on. opinion i i believe trump was like the like there was a nail there and then Trump came along, and he was supposed to be the hammer, the hammer that shit into mm, the wood. Mm, like I, because I, I feel now, po- politically, I never really got into politics until I started paying more attention about around Obama kind mm-hmm. of t- time period. But like, it like when Obama was running, it wasn't like when Trump ran against Clinton. You know what I mean? Like it, there was a different feel to it. But then when he got in, it was like I said, it was like he was like the hammer to just to drive that shit home. And right. he was there to like make the pin people. I mean, me personally, that's just my view about Trump. Sure. Trump was there to 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 just drive that shit home. Like he was saying things like from a, his 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 words were one thing, but his actions were something else. Correct. Like if you yeah. really looked what he actually did, it was completely different to what he was really saying. You know, and like when you talk to people, you know, just like talking to Biden people, like you were saying earlier, they can't they they hear the words, but they can't see the actions for some reason. And right. I, I, you know, like and I don't I don't like I could show somebody you know, like just real life things that happen and they still can't. They're just like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, I get it. But, you know, but you know what he did was he said he was talking about this the other day. Well, great. But it's like it's like Obama, right? Obama, uh, Obama. Um, oh shit! When it comes to immigration, he's he he sent more people back to. Uh, I can't. Want, I'm trying to think what he uh, deported more people than Trump did. But if you if you just listen to what Trump said, you listen to what Obama said. Never in your wildest dreams could you think that was true. You know. Right. And like, it's like, oh, they talked about the cages with, you know, these kids are in cages, but the reality of it is, is Obama built those cages, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, but I think a hundred percent, I think like when I feel like when Trump came in, he was just like the hammer that just nailed that, that final nail in the coffin. I think yeah. was like a, a part. I think he was in the central part of a bigger idea that was being moved along by people most likely in the technological space. Because mm-hmm. if you look at that thing, 
that that documentary that came out. Remember, we were talking about yep. that Cambridge Analytica yep. and like what they kind of did to the internet experience and how they just put people all the way through these. You know, they put you in a uh, a consciousness tunnel, so to speak, or like mm. uh, you know, they're like, this is this is we're gonna keep sending this your way because this is what you like and this is what you don't like, and you know, and it put people. I mean, if there is any uniting thing, it is the internet experience, right? right? Like it's it's a thing that we all sort of have, like we all have it, and it's all once you find out that that's being manipulated by people to put you in a particular state of mind, you're like, this is like magic. That's like a like that's the the tool is the internet, and the the outcome is some sort of. Uh, brainwashed type of a haze where like you said now people can't have civil conversations about things it's crazy just like creates the echo chambers that we all live and then like i said it applies to everything right so it applies to us as well in regards to like radical like alternative thought i'll say because radical can get taken out of context right the term uh, alternative thinking where you're not subscribing to anything that's mainstream in regards to the two party system that we're in politically, you can get in that echo chamber where it's like, I have to talk to friends of mine that where it's like, it becomes real doom and gloom. And like, yeah, we start to look at the horrors in society so much that that's all you can see. And in reality it's like, it's really not that crazy either. Meaning we still live a human experience. We're still spiritual beings. We still can connect to the planet. We can still connect with each other. We can still live in a beautiful moment. And that sort of stuff can get lost when you get in that echo chamber where it's like, oh, what what, what are we going to do when the food shortage happens? Or what are we going to do when this happens? And like, it takes you out of being a human as much as like thinking that you got to go on Black Friday and buy 15 flat screen <laughs> TVs or whatever, right? right? Yeah. It's no different. So it's, it's, it is no different. And that's and it's it's always important to remember that you need that balance that you are in your own sort of uh, you know I try not to be in I try to I feel like one thing that happens to a lot of people is that the their echo chamber becomes the only thing they lose value for anything outside of the echo chamber you right. Know? I For think sure. you have to just maintain value just because you don't think like those people doesn't mean that you can't see their innate uh value. Right. And and that's I think that's what's was lost. You know, it's it's it, it, it and and I like what you said about yeah, we still have to remember that we're still people here having this human, you know, uh, hum, having this human experience and uh and and, and this spiritual um situation is still here you know it's and it's been here and has outlasted all of the different machinations of civilization over the years Mm -hmm. like no matter you know (laughs) when we think about you know all the the greeks and the egyptians and the romans and stuff it's like those people they went through their own political upheavals and things like that and then the shit fell apart and people thought that the earth was doomed and something else came, <laughs> you know, something else came because the, civ- the the spiritual reality is bigger than the civilization. And no, that's for sure, for sure. You know, and that's, that's what has to, that's what I try to, I, that's where I think my only source of hope is <laughs> in these times. 
Yeah. Is that even if it all falls apart, there is a life outside of what has been constructed for us. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what it that's what the the situation that we're in currently preys upon, too, is the idea that, like, you know, there's like an innate fear of death. in I think all living beings that can be leveraged, you know, and that that when that's really um, when that's removed from the situation, you've got like a better understanding of the moment that you're in, meaning like. You know, we were talking earlier, it was actually, I think, before recording, you know, we were talking about how to prepare for or preparing for what you would consider to be a a civic emergency or a societal emergency, like a food shortage or some sort of disaster or whatever it may be. You can think to prepare for for yourself for that as much as possible. But in reality no we haven't experienced that yet you know and so you can't prepare for what you haven't fully experienced yet because you don't know what what it's gonna what it's gonna bring to your doorstep i mm-hmm. i my my mother passed in in 2019 mm-hmm. i thought about what that was gonna feel like for decades literally and i thought and thought and thought about how i was gonna deal with it what it was gonna do to me what it was gonna do to my family my sister whatever and some of that preparation was valid, but there was, there were elements and aspects of that that mm-hmm. you can't prepare for, you can't internalize or fathom really. And I think that that's it's the same sort of situation with what we're talking about here, where the preparation and the the understanding can you you, you can make advancement in regards to what you can do for yourself. Yeah. You can, you can try and understand if, if there's going to be a food shortage, how you're going to, are you going to grow food? Are you going to be um, try and get on a sustainable situation? Are you going to store food? Are you going to, you know, enhance your abilities to fish or huh, whatever. Right. But you're not in that situation on a day to day. So the main, the majority of your experience in that scenario is going to be had at the time. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't prepare, but, if the preparation takes you out of the moment that you're in right now and enjoying the gift that you have been given in the existence that you have in this moment, then it's sort of almost counterproductive in that, like, you know, I can't, I can't waste the time that I have with my loved ones now worrying about losing time with them later because what's the difference? You know what I mean? So you might as well not get up. Exactly. Right. So it's like it's a it's a fine line for me anyway, between like going into what I think is productive preparation versus um, obsession and almost and I'll and I'll use this term. I'll, I'll, I'll use this term for lack of a better term, but like entertainment sake, because I think that there's an element of all of this doom and gloom and the truth movement or whatever that has turned into a form of entertainment for 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 people that uh that have sort of stumbled upon it and i think that that's there's a there's a danger in that too you know well, making it, money off it yeah I mean, it's not even money. about making yeah and it's like it's 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 really not about the money it's not about it's a there's a collective awareness that starts at a much um 
it's like a base level. It's like, it's, it's, it's a, a like, it's, it's, it's really about getting back to being a human and not, a. it's like, we can store all the rice and, and, and can all the goods and we, people can build bunkers and they, got, you know, potable water and all this stuff. And that's all important. But reality is that like the, the functional, like, element of being a human is what that's what humanity survives on right that's what that's what a tribe of people survive on is is working together and and interacting and understanding their roles as a community and helping each other in times of need and that that is the overall because individually no one is going to be able to store enough food or you know set themselves in a situation that's going to be able to overcome uh, societal uprising. That's just not a feasible. I mean, is it possible in a movie? Maybe. Yeah. Or, or maybe it is possible. I don't know. But in reality, it's not likely, you know, when I lived in New York, people used to talk about, Oh, well, we should get motorcycles. That way, if anything pops off in the city, we can get out of here. And it's like, dude, have you been, you've been on the bridge, just going on the BQE, just trying to get upstate. It's nuts. You ain't going to be able to get out of here. Like a motorcycle is not going to help you do that. So it's like the reality is that like I think if we all talk about and be about like you said earlier not doing but but being really human being about community and about learning from each other and about speaking about our fears in a way that we internalize them and and sort of get over them whether it be the fear of death the pandemic whatever then that's where the real that's something that no matter who's in charge or what corporations are worried about that can't be taken away from people because that happens in every single situation that humans have ever been placed in is that like camaraderie sense of community building upon the idea that if you don't succeed if will doesn't succeed rob doesn't succeed then cap can't succeed at what he's trying to do because it's it's not about the individual race. It's a, like a community that that really facilitates all of that. I mean, I think what these these last few years maybe have shown just how important connection and community is to people. You know, it, it, if there was if there was anything that that could um, subvert. A lot, any a lot of this stuff that's happening now is it is for people to become more connected and i see that in myself you know i, I i'm not looking at other people and be like man you need to i myself have to find um more of a sense of community and more of a, and, and be more um connected with the world because i think just um like the nine to five everyday existence can lead you into a cycle where uh, you, 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 you know, it, once you're, you're, you're tired, you, you got home from work and stuff like that. <laughs> there, there's a lot of things you can say no to. Yeah. Right? True. There's a lot of things you can be like, uh, but I think that in order for, for people to have any kind of a future, the worth and value of people has to go up. You know, For sure. we, we, we're coming out of 
maybe that's what this is. Maybe this is the growing pain out of um, coming from a world that put a monetary value on a human life. Mm. Yeah. You know, like that's once that happened, you know, devaluation had to happen. Right. Because, you know, now you see the guy in the street and you're like, man, what could, what, you know, what, what value does he have? Or you look at yourself in the mirror and once you've done seeing some, uh, somebody with way more money than you and be like, man, like, like what's, what, what am I really worth? And I right. think, you know, wow. that gets into the, to, to, to people's heads. And so, there's been this large scale devaluization of people and, 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 and human interaction and connection. And all of this in the last couple of years has just been sort of the culmination of it. Hmm. You know? For so sure. hopefully, you know, hope, and, and, and like I said, it, it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's, but it is, I think far more, consistent with what a human being is supposed to be kind of doing here like to be building with uh other people to uh to make things better instead of uh going home and just dumbing out on netflix show (laughs) right right (laughs) yeah no for real i mean that's the that's the essence of it. It's like, and it's all, t- it's tough because, you know, it's like you were saying, you speaking to yourself, I'm speaking to myself. I try and, you know, the music that I write is a reminder if, if of, of what I feel like is important because we all get stuck in the day to day. We all are in the same rat race and it's really hard to like remove yourself from that. And so the, the pictures that we paint, um, through conversation, through music, expression, whatever, is um, it's not just, it's not pointing the finger, so to speak, at, at everybody else. It's really keeping the finger pointed at myself too and being uh, and holding myself accountable for what what I feel should be and what I actually act on and how I, um, how I live my day-to-day life. Because it's hard not to, it's easy to say, Hey, I need to let's meditate and let's focus on, you know, the moment and all of that. And it's it's easy to say those things and it's much more difficult to actually do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a it's why, you know, I have to constantly remind myself to be in that space because um, it's this this world we live in is it's got strong. Uh, it's got a strong grip. You yeah. know, that's I mean, there's 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 an album that I'm working on. Um that is like <laughs> amongst other projects that mm. kind of only exist in my head, <laughs> but it's like uh, I, I want to write this uh, this album called "The Frequency of Love," and mm. the, the reason was because uh, I remember back in the day when I write, and my my brother he always used to be like, "Why are you always writing them sad songs?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm not trying to make sad songs; I'm trying to make real songs. But I mean, who knows? Maybe I, my life was a little bit more sad then, you know. But in my music, the upliftment of people is becoming more and more significant to the point where it's like, I feel like in my mind, and I've told people this in my mind, I feel like a like I'm like a soul singer caught 
in a hip hop identity. Mm. Like I feel that I hear that in your music. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I listen. I I I listen to soul music all day long. Like I'm mm. listening to to things to put try to put me in <laughs> put me in a more harmonic place. Mm. Um, it, it, because I you know I, I know the alternatives. <laughs> you know, I'm right, gonna, right. You know, and you get in that warlike mentality, and now it's, it's you got conflict with everybody, but um. You can go too far with that too. You know what I mean? Like it's it's all about uh it's all about a medium. It's about finding that medium. But um yeah, man, I I I think uh there was a time where where I was given um I was going like I, and I'm still trying to get into like public speaking and stuff. And mm-hmm. I had given this talk one time and I was talking about uh creativity and consciousness and the link between them because you kind of have to be in a certain consciousness in order to be creative like you can't like there's a certain like uh it can't happen if you have so many limiting thoughts that you don't take action right and um the one exercise that i i remember giving them was like (laughs) i went over like um i'd be like all right well here's martin luther king and then you know it's like he, there is what is publicly thought about him, and then there is the negative aspects that people don't point out and stuff like that. And I, I did that with Gandhi, and then I flipped it and, and I talked about the Nazis and how the Nazis didn't experiment on animals and how they ended homelessness and things like that, just to show a person that, yeah, I, I feel like people once it's hard for people to forgive themselves. Mm. Like it's hard for a person to be like, like, you know, yourself more so than anybody else. And because of that, the things that you have done wrong, it's harder for you to forgive yourself maybe than for other people to forgive you. And without that forgiveness, give yourself the the right to create or, or the right to be, uh, to move in a positive way mm. um without that like it, it it just doesn't get off the ground and, you know that right. that's the whole reason i wanted to start talking to people like motivationally because it's like i keep running into people who think that they're like like shitty people <laughs> like right right and i'm like this these are amazing people that's mm. the reason why i love this podcast because we've got to talk to people who and it's usually just people we know People we play basketball with and stuff like that. <laughs> but you start listening to a person and, and, and they start giving you this amazing story and then it's topped off by, yeah, but I'm not really shit. Right, right. I mean, and that's because like, that's the way that's the way that we're all, you know, d- uh, sort of conditioned to, s- to feel that self-doubt kind of takes over where, you know, because that's of... the enemy. Right, exactly. That's the real enemy that... You know what I mean? Like, well, if if a person can't get to 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 that to that higher place, because they they have that. You ever see that movie Cloud Atlas? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You ever see that? No. With Tom Hanks. Yeah. I I never saw it though. Oh, it's it's interesting. It's but on Cloud Atlas, I remember Tom Tom Hanks. One character, he he was like on this alien world, like by in the future, 
and they like anthropomorphize his doubt, like in a character that would follow mm-hmm. him around and just whisper, like, you can't do that. Like you did, and that thing, uh, that thing is heavy right now. For like, sure. It's it's so heavy in the world that that is in my music and in any other kind of outlet, I'm just trying to go at that. Yeah. You know? I have a song about self-doubt on on the last uh, full link that I put out called um, Every Chance I Had, which is like it's it just it's about that that element of self-doubt that everybody has. And and the way that especially in hip hop, self-doubt is like the kryptonite of a an MC because, <laughs> you know, you, you can't you can't play the, you know, the MC card if you don't believe you can and right um but it's it's really a, a a thing in society as a whole and i think it's um sort of injected in various capacities through different forms of media and like we said earlier about comparing yourself looking in the mirror and saying oh i don't make this much money or i don't i'm only you know i'm not this tall or uh, you know i don't look like this or that or whatever there's different ways to inject self doubt into us as individuals um, through various forms of media that really fosters that um, when I look in the mirror in the morning, what do I think about myself? And um, it affects your overall consciousness. It affects the way that you feel you interact in the world. And um, it's crazy. It has a profound effect on, on the individual. And it is happening even when you don't even think it's happening. Like I remember when you, like, I remember coming out of like watching a Marvel movie or something. I'm like, damn, I'm just me. Like, I ain't the Hulk. I right, ain't, right, I'm right. not all of this. You know, like, and you had a one. It's like, is that why I'm watching the movie to remind me of what, like, what I'm not right <laughs> to remind right. me, like, you're not yeah. the superhero. That's a superhero. You just uh, go to work every day. <laughs> I mean, look at athletes. I mean, athletes, right? like some of your most. I mean, look at T.O. There was no self-doubt in T.O. You know what I mean? Like, he was the most confident guy ever, and, like, maybe that had to do with how why he was so good. Look at the ones – look at the, the all-time greats. You know, most of them – and look at one guy have a great season one year, and then the next year – or two great seasons in a row. And then the third year, he's kind of like, what happened to that guy? Maybe at some point, you know, yeah, at like, some point, happened? he probably lost yeah. his confidence mm. or his, you know, started doubting himself or – or other people's, you know, how do how do college athletes, the great number one overall pick, you know, obviously sometimes they pick guys that aren't that good, but a lot of times it's just the situation they're in, and like uh, the, it's it's maybe they're in a better in a better place where certain coaches help them figure out those doubts, or you know what I mean? Like, mm. you, I, I mean, you can see it in athletes. Like to me, you could see it in athletes a lot. You know, I mean, sometimes you got the, your, your greatest athletes are assholes, but mm. it's because they're you know they they fool themselves. You know, but that also leads leads to great confidence, and there's there's no doubt in their mind they're gonna be that player. You yeah, know? It removes the thought and returns them to like an instinctual uh, side of 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 the athletic you know, act with whatever given sport. Right. And it, right. when you, it's the same thing. I feel like with, with music, when I think too much, when I try and sit down and say, okay, I'm going to come up with something really, you know, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna really work on this one. It's like that the best stuff comes when I have a beat and the beat writes everything. I, I feel like I'm not even a part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's the like that's the instinct. That's the that's allowing the universe to sort of come through you. It's the way they say they yeah. talk about visualization. It's like a, a player like Shaq or 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 Michael Jordan or LeBron or whatever, they knew they were gonna be great. They didn't think about it. They knew it already. And it's the thing that, that they just allowed what they'd been sort of manifesting in their own minds the whole time to to happen. And we all have that ability in whatever arena we want to work in. We just don't exercise it because that seed of self-doubt can sort of either temporarily or in some cases, unfortunately, permanently set a, uh, a, a an individual into a, a, a sort of predetermined uphill battle. Um, and, and societally, I think we feel that we, we, we function in that capacity as well as a whole, we, we see ourselves in limited, Oh, we can't change anything. We can't, we can't change this. We're in, we're in a political situation that is just unfair or just, it it is innately corrupt. And that's what we've always dealt with. And that's what we're going to deal with. So to think outside of those, you know, guidelines is, is, is not, it's not conducive to, you know, it's, you're just wasting your time. And in in reality, it's like that's why we are in the situations that we're in. I mean, Drew Brees, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, every day, every game day before the game, mm. would literally play through the game in his mind mm. on the field, out on the field by himself. Mm-hmm. Every every throw he was going to make, every play that was called. That's and right. That's how, that's how he prepared himself to play the game. And one of the greatest. And he, you know, there was a lot of doubters for him. He. He went. He played in San Diego. Got drafted mm-hmm. to San. First off, he gets traded for Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. It, like they, he was like I think top five pick. Got traded for Eli Manning, and then went to San Diego because Eli Manning didn't want to play in San Diego. And then has an okay start to his career. Plays okay. Hurts his shoulder. His throwing shoulder has to. Ha- I think he tore. I forget what he did to his shoulder, but anyways, he in free agency, the year of his free agency, tears his shoulder up, goes to goes to Miami. Miami doesn't pass him. He signs a contract, Miami, but he can't pass the physical. My, Miami's doctors won't pass his his physical. So then he gets. Uh, so they don't take him, and then New Orleans takes him, passes a physical, and from time he was in in new orleans obviously sean payton was there so they clicked as a you know as a coach and a quarterback and i mean great you know one of the great in my opinion one of the most underrated players ever but one of the greatest quarterbacks ever of all time can you we know? can we give him a shout out too for being a purdue boilermaker there you because go he was a, he was deadly in the big 10 yes he was he and short a, guy, they say. Yeah, exactly. Short. Exactly. He's like a six foot guy. I think. Yeah. Shout out to all of my Indiana dudes too on that. Uh, <laughs> I I linked up. I got. I can't finish this without saying I linked up with one of the illest DJ crews from Indiana when I moved to Brooklyn. Shout out to Jay McElfresh and Scott Metallic. But they like there's Indiana has a great Indianapolis and Indiana as a whole had a crazy hip hop scene that I was lucky enough to sort of mingle with through friends and so forth and shout out to rest in peace to uh, indiana jones an incredible dj uh ron minor if, if you like he's incredible hip-hop head and 
Um, but yeah, all of those Indiana dudes, while we were on that Purdue level, I had to give a shout out to all my dudes. If it wasn't for Jay McElfresh, Cap Jones would have never released anything um, to the public. He was the reason he heard it in a bar when we were in Brooklyn together. And he's like, dude, you got to release this stuff. And I was on the same self-doubt stuff that we were talking about. Like, yeah. what's the point of it? You know, so it's, it's a yeah. circle. Yeah. And I so still battle that myself. Dudes. It's amazing yeah. how like some people will meet. It just takes meeting that right person, you know, yeah. at some point in your life, it's just timing and meeting that pe- meeting that right person. And, and things can change quickly. That's yeah. right. Well, I got a, I got an EP coming out with Jay, uh, right now I like I'm working on he's sending me beats and I'm working on something with him right now so hopefully we'll see something from from him from the Indiana uh native the Indiana all-star I call him but uh uh soon yeah we're working on something right now yeah man I look forward to that definitely man yeah I, for sure like I said man um yeah I mean I think I think uh you know th- this is the problem with these kinds of conversations this is what I used to call conversations without bottom. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. Them. For sure. It's, it's endless. It's the Mariana yeah, Trench. It's this endless yeah, thing. Yeah. But in the interest of, of time and, yes. and, and everything, I I, I want to thank you, man, for coming on. Yes, and, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, man, that this is definitely one of my favorite episodes. I mean, um, you said a lot of things that uh, – will definitely be be floating around in my head so it was a good mind uh, likewise i enjoyed it man anytime anytime i really enjoyed it thank you both for having me and when you sent me uh when you reached out about doing it i, I was super excited about it and um you know my schedule's been a little bit nuts for the last couple of weeks so i appreciate you being patient and like i said i, I anytime I, I really enjoyed myself and and I appreciate you all for having me oh, on. Man, absolutely. Yep. Thanks man. for doing man, it. You're gonna have to come back on. Oh, for sure. And we're gonna link on a song too. Trust on that. Oh yeah, we're gonna link on a song. We yeah, we're gonna have to absolutely do that. Definitely. And uh, you should uh, make sure you send Will all your your links yeah, to everything. Yeah. We'll have all, all the put links. In the description. We'll have all the links in the description. Yeah. Y'all, everybody who's listening to all the millions of people listening right now, <laughs> right on. Listen, just check it out. Just, yeah. just, just give it a listen because it, it will, it, you'll be better for it. <laughs> I appreciate that. You'll That's the goal. I hope to be better for, for, for coming up with it and everything. And like I said, I appreciate the support. I'll send you all the links so you can throw them in the description. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, man. We're gonna get out of here. Uh, people, thank you for listening once again. Yes. I mean, uh, like I said, you know, it can be. Sometimes you see the how many people listen to an episode and stuff. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and to anybody, we're thankful for anybody who who, who takes the time to, to to download or check it out. You know, we I really appreciate. It that. always amazes me how far reached this goes. Sometimes, yeah, that you it, know that it ends up in certain places. Yes, like, for why, sure. Why are you listening to Sri Lanka? Yeah, know. that's beautiful, man. That's Somalia. Beautiful. What is that? That's <laughs> beautiful. That's we, had, we had a run on Somalia for. We had a for run like, on for like Wow, a that's amazing! It's just crazy. Yeah, See? but it's funny though because it's like I don't know. Like y'all understand me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, but yeah, thank you once again, and uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. Yes, for sure. Thank you. All right, peace. Peace, everybody. Uh, that was good, man. Man. Thank y'all so much. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. It went by quick.